GoLongTD.com, humanizing pro football journalism. All righty, we're back. Episode three of Favre with the unparalleled Brett Favre, unplugged, unfiltered. Man, this has been a lot of fun, Brett. Uh, thanks so much for, for sticking with us here, man. How in the hell you doing? I'm good. Uh, what, what are we, uh, week what, uh, in the NFL? Like five, five. weeks into this thing. Yeah. Time flies. But do you like, how do you take in the games? Did you watch, did you watch the action yesterday down there? You're, you're probably busy on puppy duty, right? You, you're, you're raising, uh, a go a golden doodle, yeah. just just you right now. You said, yeah, me and uh, our dog Sammy, she's a female, uh, had four puppies Saturday, and my wife just happened to be out of town, so I didn't. A friend of ours helped deliver them. Thank goodness uh, that I didn't have to. I came in after the fact, uh, but my wife. I'm sure people can relate. This dog is like one of her children. She, she did absolutely, and she was, she was not a dog person. Well, I shouldn't say she wasn't a dog person. She wasn't a dog person in the house, uh, dog, uh, until this dog. Not only is she in the house, but she sleeps right between us every night. Uh, <laughs> so that tells you where she, she falls on the totem pole. So wait, you, you you thought you might have to deliver these puppies yourself there for a hot minute? Well, my wife was, uh, she and our youngest daughter were going out of town Saturday morning and, uh, I was here. So I was like, and, and it, 61 days is a, is a dog's pregnancy around about, which is short. The 61st day fell, uh, yesterday, Sunday. Well, Saturday, they leave. She goes into labor. Um, so thank goodness a friend of ours who knows a lot about dogs and has done this before came over and I, I just, I waited until they, it was all clean and, uh, I, I'm not good with that. Um, so you didn't get right in there. Puppies. Like you're under center, pulling no. these puppies out, no. right? No, not at all. Uh, no. Uh, uh, but she had four puppies. They seem to be doing well. Uh, I'm, I'm feeding them and she, my wife built like, it looks like a neighborhood in our gym. She's got all these different rooms, like plastic at- attaching walls. She's got all these rooms for them so they can play. But the bad part is they can kind of get up underneath the plastic and hide. So I'll go in there and make sure they're feeding okay. And I only see two. And then I have to, I mean, they're literally this big, like a, a small rat. So, so th- I'm this is pretty dude. big. You're cutting away from uh, puppy dad duty to record this. I I, I hope they're they're going to do okay here. You know, this, this no, hour. That makes two of us, or I'll be out the house. If we have to hit pause and you've got to go nurse a puppy to, to health, like, are you holding the puppy, like, feed, feeding a puppy a bottle? No, you're, no, you're not. The less you touch them, the better, but sometimes yeah. they'll strike off and get up underneath that plastic. 
um, and I got to pull them back. Our dog has never, never even attempted a bite on a human. She's the sweetest dog, but she is. When you reach in there and grab one, she doesn't bite you, but she she reaches over and kind of nudges your hand away with her with her nose. Well, it, it is so true, though. I was anti dog in the house, anti dog on the bed, and then we we got Edmund, and it just is. I I want I want Edmund on the bed and in the house, and he's just like the best dog ever. So, yeah. You know the problem though when you get. I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't get attached to pets, but they, their lifespan is so short when you relative to how, how close you get to them. Um, and then you, you, like my grandmother was the first person I remember saying this. She had, she had a dog and a cat and the dog was like her prized child. And the dog's name was Buddy and Buddy did everything with, my grandmother. And then when he died, she was just distraught. And she said, I'll never get another dog again. I'm done. I get too close to him. Well, she ended up getting a German shepherd named and named him Shane. Uh, so I mean, you out, out of the frying pan into the fire sometimes, not, but yeah, that's, that's the downside of pets. So I'm guessing, well, maybe you were able to watch football yesterday. How much were you able to kind of watch? And, and oh. five weeks into this, I've never even really asked you. I mean, is there a player, quarterback or otherwise, that you really enjoy watching, like th- this fall particularly? Um, kind of the usual sus- suspects, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Um, but... I, I, I like, uh, San Francisco. I like Purdy. I like his story. Uh, I mean, he's in some respects, uh, like a Drew Brees, uh, from a size and arm strength a guy that you pick, maybe not last on the playground, but, uh, in, in a quarterback pool, if, if you just based it off of talent, and I'm not knocking him one bit, uh, but size, arm strength, speed, he, all the other guys check the boxes. The same with Drew Brees. Drew was laughing all the way home, uh, after his illustrious career, like all the people who told him he couldn't do it or wouldn't do it. Purdy, I, to me, falls in that category. Uh, so I love his story. I, I love their team. I think Shanahan is an excellent coach. They got a ferocious defense and, and I like Dak Prescott. Um, but they hit, they struggled yesterday, uh, you know, against a very good opponent. But, uh, I like, you know, I, I like, uh, I like to watch the young guys like Bryce Young. Uh, then not that he's that young, but he's still young to me. I like the, the play of Baker Mayfield. Uh, I like his scrappiness. I like his toughness. I like his, uh, his competitiveness. Uh, some people may call it cockiness, but if, if the guys play hard for you and, uh, 
and you're a winner, and he's been a winner everywhere he's been. Uh, now, National Football League, he's bounced around a little bit. I don't know the reason for that because I would have thought several teams would have kept him and, and stuck it out with him uh, at least longer than that would. Um, but uh, – and I like Jalen Hurts. How, how can you not like him, his story, uh, dating back to college? Uh, all he has done is win and win the big games. Uh, he's He's been the starter. He's been demoted. Uh, but yet remained di- diligent, uh, a leader. And then he got his chance again in college. His college story is pretty amazing. Uh, the rise and fall and the rise again. Uh, but th- they're definitely the, the lead contender for the NFC yet again. Uh, could have very easily won the Super Bowl last year. In fact, I thought at one point they had had it wrapped up. Uh, uh, so I, I love watching him play. I, I love their scheme. I love it's it's a little different. And but Jalen can run, and will hurt you running. But his to me his uh, most imposing threat is is his mind and his arm. Uh, and his rapport with his receivers seems to be really, really good. Uh, so, I, you know, I think that it's going to be a dogfight in the NFC for sure. And my Cincinnati kind of made a, a comeback yesterday. You know, the hiccup this year was longer than last year. I think they lost two in a row at the start of the season last year. This year it's been a little rockier and not to mention, uh, Joe's been hurt. Uh, but right now I'd say the, the four front runners would be Buffalo, Kansas City, obviously. Um, uh, even though Jacksonville beat Buffalo, Jacksonville's kind of been, them and Buffalo both have been a little bit. And I know you live up there, so you get a lot of the Buffalo media. Uh, at times you go, but they should, they should, uh, represent the AFC this year. And then the next week, it's like, we may not make it to the championship game. Uh, so it, the only AFC team that seems to be solid, I, I, I say two, uh, Kansas City and Miami, even though Buffalo beat Miami, Miami seems to be more consistent, uh, and, and more dangerous. That being said, they've proven that they're they're beatable. AFC, uh, I would say that. Let me back up. The three front runners would be Miami, Buffalo, and certainly Kansas City. Uh, NFC is to me it's a two horse race right now, and that's San Francisco and Philadelphia. Brock Purdy, I mean, Mister Irrelevant. Last player picked in the 2022 draft. He, he, he may be the MVP front runner in 2023 with the way he's playing. I mean, we can give credit to everybody around him for, for hours and hours. Kittle, IU, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams, maybe the best left tackle in football, but you know, he, he clearly has something to his makeup that everybody missed. The entire NFL missed. 
what to you is that? Like what, what, what makes Brock Purdy potentially special? Because all he does is win every game he starts in the regular season, literally. Well, Ron Wolf said this to me a long time ago. And, and when we talk, we try to talk once, twice a month, uh, depending on who's busy. But he said this one time, uh, and I, I remember it vividly, uh, and I can't remember what quarterback had. I think it was the year after I retired when we were talking about some quarterback. I can't remember who. Uh, we were just kind of talking about the state of the game and how things are different and blah, blah, blah. And uh, No, I, I tell you what, it was right before the combine of this, I think the year I, I retired. We were talking about the quarterbacks. And I'd seen a, a show on ESPN. They were talking about the combine and um, the lead up and how, how much of the spectacle it's become kind of like the draft. Uh, it's almost, a, uh, you know, like, like the World's Fair, you know, and what they measure, how they measure stuff. And, oh, he did 225, 35 times. And his shuttle drill was – Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and that could be for any player, but quarterbacks, they, they get measured like all the other players do. Uh, broad jump, uh, vertical. But what they don't measure is he's a winner or not a winner. And Ron Wolf said that's the most important measurement you can make. And yet, it's the one that they overlook the least. Now, granted, that you're basing that off of college and maybe high school, uh, but I, I totally agree. Arm strength is good. Move escapability is really good. Uh, football knowledge is is really good. But sometimes a guy in Purdy, Purdy is. Uh, Good example, and and by no means am, am I being disrespectful, but he's the smallest. He's, his arm strength is probably the least of the starting quarterbacks in the league. Quickness, escapability, eh, probably last on the list. But the fact that he is a winner and his football knowledge I would say his, his his smarts, his composure, and his ability to win games uh, and manage games um, is as good as anybody in the league. Yeah. And so the reason he, he's picked last or is picked last on the playground amongst the guys in the league is because of the factors I said before. I, is he a winner? And – that oftentimes trumps, much like Kurt Warner, a winner. Average arm strength, he may have been a little bigger than Purdy, but his football knowledge, his football IQ was off the charts. His arm strength was just okay. Uh, I, I'm not going to say it was last in the league, but Ty Detmer's another guy who was my teammate for many years. I always said he couldn't dent a loaf of bread from 10 yards with a, with a a hard toss football. Uh, but he won the Heisman Trophy. He was a winner. And 
he was picked late, uh, late compared to what he did in college. But because he, the reason he was picked late was arm strength, size, uh, physicality, all that stuff. But Ty had a great career, a long career, longer than I'm sure the experts said. And he, and he managed to make what he's got, his intangibles. He managed to make them work. Yeah. Brock Purdy seems like a supercharged Ty Detmer, right? Maybe if, if Ty just played in this NFL, maybe he'd be, you know, winning oh, 10, he, 11, 12 straight he'd be games too. Super, super successful. No question. Yeah. I love that you brought up Baker Mayfield too, because it's, I've always been drawn to him. It's a hill I'll, I'll die on because there's just, and Scott McLuhan, uh, you know, long time yeah. Packer, Packer scout. He, he always loved Baker too. He consulted for the Cleveland Browns ahead of that pick. He said, look, this, this guy has stuff to him that you can't quantify everything you're talking about. You can't quantify it at the combine or even in statistics, but, but guys want to play for Baker Mayfield. I had to look it up. A- Andy Janovich, former, uh, Browns fullback. We, we've done stories on him here at Go Long. <laughs> so this is after Baker played that whole year, you know, with a torn up shoulder, something yeah. that we're, we're going to get into with you is your streak, 321 straight starts. How in the hell you did it? You know, the unique attrition of football. Here's what Andy said about Baker. He goes, quote, the thing about Baker is he won't say shit to anyone about anything. You could cut his dick off and he wouldn't fucking say shit. <laughs> I love it. I mean, there's, some quarterbacks <laughs> are like that. Talk. Some are not. Yeah, too, true locker room talk for sure. Uh, people often ask me, what do y'all, what do you say in the huddle or what are y'all talking about or what, what's, well, first of all, I, I, not so much anymore, but for the longest, and I may have said this on a previous show, people like by week, I back in the day, we would go home sometimes, me and my wife and, uh, if, if both daughters were there, we would go back. Uh, but we'd all go back together for several days and I'd see somebody at a ball game or something and they go, do you just stay home during the season and then just go up for games? Uh, and I'm like, no, it's a little more complicated than that. We actually practice and meet and, uh, get treatment and all this stuff. But anyway, people also ask, what, is, what do you say in the locker room? What? what's the the conversations like? And that's what you just said. That's more of the norm than, hi, hi, you having a good day? You know, it's it's more uh, busting each other's balls or somebody just being direct. And, and you know, that guy is a a badass, you know. So – I, I I don't know. I mean, I I know Baker Mayfield, but I never hung out with him. Never sat down and had an in depth conversation with him. Uh, obviously, he did the uh, the remake of my draft day um, picture, uh, which yeah. he went through a lot of trouble to do that. So I, for for that reason, and I I knew him well before just watching him kind of work his way up the ranks. And, and into a national championship game. Um, you know, he's got it. He's got it. And that it is what Ron Wolf's talking about. You can't measure or they don't measure at the combine. And really, they don't. 
they, you know, I don't know that they may even have a formula today that they put all these statistics and, uh, algorithms together and spits out, no, he can't play. Or he, well, Ron Wolf, when, <clears throat> when I was traded to Green Bay and some may know the story, I was, I was failed on my physical by Green Bay. Um, I had a vascular necrosis or, uh, at least that was, and I've since had my hip replaced. So they said I played three years. Ron Wolf said, I'll take the, and he's told me the story a hundred times. Uh, he said, well, I'll take, I'll take that. I'll take those three years because he's worth it. I didn't know that I was failed until later. Uh, Ron Wolf, Wolf just overrode everybody and said, I'll take it. And that's, that's kind of what Brock Purdy, uh, Mr. Relevant, Baker Mayfield. Now Baker was drafted a little bit higher, but, um, uh, much, much higher. Uh, but to your point, though, they got the same today. Yeah, you know they're winners, and uh, when guys love you and and want to play hard for you, man, it sounds crazy because you say, well, "Wouldn't a guy want to play hard for himself?" Yes, you know you're making a huge amount of money. Uh, take some pride in your game. Um, in your leadership and your work ethic, but there's that little extra that a guy will give for a guy that he really loves and, and, and respects. And I think both those guys definitely have that. Which is really the, a perfect transition to everything we're going to get into. Just the fact that football is different, right? We want to measure everything in statistics and analytics and neatly fit it into those those columns on a spreadsheet, but you, you can't with football. It's it's such a human game played by human beings that are going to respond and react differently to fourth quarter, two minutes left game on the line, season on the line. Do you have it or not? Um, but I mean, nobody lived this, this war of attrition like you 321 straight starts. You always have to include those playoff games. I don't like it when they just stay on two ninety seven. You got to, you got to put the most yeah, important uh, games in there. Those 20, 21 or whatever playoff games, however many it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are more important than the others. The regular season. Obviously, you got to play in the regular season and win to get to the playoffs. But yeah, it always kills me. And they go, Oh, and by the way, what is it? 25 playoff games in total. 25, uh, playoff included. I'm like, that's the most, that's the, that's where you make your money. Absolutely. I mean, there had to have been countless moments where maybe not, maybe, maybe you just assumed you'd play through anything and that you're Iron Man. But I mean, what, what were those, those injuries, those hits, those moments where it really could have ended? Um, I mean, I'm thinking to the ankle in 95, the, like a knee in 2002. You've talked about the thumbs, all the concussions. Hell, I mean, there's probably quite a few to, to choose from here. Well, the, the first, and, and to me, the, the aside from the thumb, maybe the the one that probably I should have or easily could have been benched was when Reggie White separated my left shoulder. Now, it wasn't my throwing shoulder. 
but it was a third degree separation. Up until then, I wouldn't have known a third degree versus a first degree, but a third degree is the worst that you can. And I, I knew that it was bad. Now it didn't require surgery, but it, it restructured my, my left collarbone. Uh, and one of the more painful injuries I had. Again, it wasn't throwing shoulder, but every time I would hand off or I would, this was in the first half, I would just do a, one of these. You could hit, sound like popcorn popping. And, and that's the injury, uh, ironically that kick started the pain pill addiction. Um, uh, that was a game in Milwaukee and, uh, afterwards we, you drive down to Milwaukee and you drive back. Uh, Jerry Perrins, our head of security at the time, great guy. He wanted to make sure that me and Deanna were okay. So he rode back with me and I, I took two pain pills and I know I'm getting off, uh, off the reservation here, but that, that's how painful it was. That's the first two pain pills I had taken, uh, in the, in the National Football League and I like it, it worked, but I liked it. Uh, and then the rest is history. But, uh, on that r- real quick though, Brett, I mean, that, that's part of it is that, that pain pill addiction. I mean, you touched on it last, last episode, but I mean, I, I think maybe it was Leroy Butler who was describing the scene on the airplane with all players. I mean, they passed this stuff out like candy. And I'd imagine yeah, that's the point was, where it, how many had taken. Yeah. It wasn't the wild, wild west, but it was, uh, uh, it was close to it. The wild, wild west was, in the eighties, probably in seventies, you know, how the, how the guys played reckless, uh, which is, is weird. I think the seventies, the sixties, uh, some of the eighties, well, maybe all of the eighties, you know, those, those tough giant, those tough bear teams, uh, the game was played more physical and tougher, uh, and guys wouldn't make it near as much. You know, you would think that they would play that way now based on all the money they make. Like, all right, I'm paying you 50 million a year. I want you to kick somebody's ass until you can't kick it no more. It's not, it's not like that. That's the way it was back in the day, but the healthcare was not as good. And I'm not knocking the trainers and doctors, but, um, concussions wasn't a thing. Um, handing out pain pills. I mean, I was born in 69, so I don't remember a whole lot about the, the 70s. Um, uh, but I remember being a football fan, but I definitely didn't know the ins and outs of what it was like in, during a game and after a game, just what you see on TV and, uh, uh, passing out stuff, putting the guy back in with a, with a head injury. Uh, no one thought about second impact syndrome. No one thought, thought about pain pill addiction. Healthcare has, has come a long ways, but, uh, they don't do, which is a good thing. You know, they just don't pass out pain pills like they used to. Uh, with you, every player would get two and they'd pass out of one beer. Uh, so, so if a, if a guy loved to drink beer like myself back in the day, you would ask all the non beer drinkers to take the beer. I actually two beers, a little paper bag. They give you two, two beers. And, and I would be going to all the guys. Hey, Ty, I know you don't drink. Grab two beers. Burnell, grab two beers. And, and 
And that was kind of the way it was with pain pills. So, so next thing you know, you're I having mean, how many beers there. with how many pills, right? Jeez. Yeah. I mean, but again, uh, that was, that was about as crazy as it. And, and eventually I played long enough to where they stopped, the league stopped passing out beer and pain pills. I mean, that they, they, they were audited on the pain medication or over or behind the counter medication. They would be audited uh, at any point. Uh, and you had to have a legitimate reason for 45 pills being missing. And, you know, I don't know how the audit worked, but it, it's in a much better place. And I, that, that's, that's great for the guys playing present. Um, but yeah, that, that would have been the first entry. The thumb would have been another. You would think, and I say this all the time, the thumb on your throwing hand, you, you know, whether you're a pitcher or a quarterback, maybe a, you can get by with a broken thumb as a receiver. I mean, guys have played, but, but you would think that that would be the end. Like he's not going to play his throwing hand. Are you kidding me? Um, but that, that, that was another. I think there was three ankles and I don't remember the exact dates on, and I had three surgeries on my ankle and, and all, and I had numerous ankle sprains, but there was three in particular that could have or, or would have or could have kept me out. Um, and, and I had problems with my ankles and that's why I had surgery, three surgeries. Um, I, I was always having bone spurs and, uh, loose particles that would break off. Uh, so the, the reason I say that those, they hurt, they were swollen, and, but my, my game was a lot largely based on movement, whether it be escaping from the pocket. And when I sprained my ankle or, or tore the ligament in my knee the one time against the Redskins, uh, I, I had to shift gears and play a little bit different. And, and that, that can always be a challenge to, to a player when he gets one dimensional. Uh, but I was able to, to not only play, but play one of my better games after those type of injuries. Yeah. You guys went 12 and four that season, 2002, yeah. I want to say. Yeah. Man, it's, uh, it's amazing though to just, Blast through these injuries that shelve most players at least a few weeks. Let it heal for a little bit. So, what really drove you to to play? It was it um you know a a kinship with the with the locker room, wanting to be there for your teammates. Was it like a personal challenge? Like there, no, nothing's going to hurt me. Nothing's going to keep me down. Like well, your David Goggins before him. First and foremost, I think uh, this is very important. Maybe the most important factor. I loved to play, not because they paid us a lot of money, not because we were on TV all the time, not because it was sold out every game. All those are, you know, important in their own right. But I love to play because I love to play. I did peewee football, junior high, high school, college. I just wanted to play. And – so when I got that opportunity, and I got it because Don McCaffrey, who knows when I would have gotten in. Uh, but Don gets hurt. 
I knew that this was my chance, my my opportunity. I mean, I I'm, I was a little naive and and very immature uh, in, in my game and 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 play. And at that point, it was only my second year, but I knew that this was an opportunity that maybe I wouldn't get again. So, I, when I when I went in, I I didn't know. A bulk of the offense I hadn't had reps and it showed, but I played with passion, desire, and, and that it factor, the win, the win factor in it, uh, and the guys wanting to play hard for you, um, was obvious. And so from that point forward, yeah, I was hurt. There was often times that yeah, I should have set out, but I remembered how I got my job and how quickly you can be forgotten. And it, it's happened to a bunch of guys. And, you know, some, some people may say, oh, if you get hurt, sit out. They'll want you back. Maybe, maybe not. The next guy comes in and plays outstanding, like Tom Brady did when Bledsoe got hurt. Or look at Purdy. And we can we can name numerous guys that have had the opportunity that way and have made the most of Kerr Warner. Uh, so that was always in the, the front of my mind, not the back. I was like, you, you can't lose this spot. You give So when, when I would be laying down on the turf and like with a separated shoulder, I, I knew I was hurt, but I knew I had to suck it up. Um, there's a difference between being injured and hurt. One you can play with, one you shouldn't play with. And uh, I would say the concussions I had, I probably should. One of them kept me out. Uh, two actually kept me out. I didn't play anymore. The, the one against the Giants, I came back in for one play at home for a touchdown and then was done. Uh, and then the, the one against the Bears as my last game as a, as a Viking. Um the those I shouldn't have played. So, you know, just doggone, you know, desire to play was the, the biggest and, and obvious factor to me of why I, I kept playing. I just love to play. I want to play. I love my guys. Yeah. Love competing. Had, a, had fun doing it. And God dog it, they pay us to do it too. I mean, on top of it. Can you believe that? That was that was my mentality. Great point on Bledsoe. We, we just did a, a podcast with him a couple of weeks ago, and you, you can tell that he he's still kind of hurt by how that went down. That, that he didn't get that opportunity to pl- to play got, to start got, that season when he came back. He did well after that. Uh, he went to Buffalo, uh, Dallas. You know, he played a little bit longer. But it wasn't the same. It wasn't the, the same. same. Yeah, and it, it wasn't anything that he did. It was what Tom Brady did. I mean, Drew got hurt, and it was it was obvious that he got smoked. Next guy gets an opportunity, and yeah, as the as I mean, if you're Bledsoe, you're sitting there, you're rehabbing. This guy starts winning, starts accumulating wins, good plays, managing the game right. Slowly but surely, people are like. This guy's good. We, we need to keep him in there. We're winning. Uh, and then you're slowly forgotten. 
no matter what you've done. You, I mean, it, when Joe Montana got traded, it was obvious to everyone in the history of the league that anything could happen and will happen. Yeah. Well, we'll see if uh, Brock Purdy is is that kind of player, right? It took two. Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo get hurt for him to get his chance against Miami, I believe it was last year. But you made such a great point, yeah. Brett. Like the that moment as a kid, Pop Warner. I remember putting the pads on in in third grade, which is kind of crazy looking back. I, I don't know if they're second, third graders should be bashing into each other. But oh. there's that that moment, you know, whether it's Pop Warner, even into high school football, when you're lining up for a hit and drill, bowl in the ring, which I think is outlawed now. Let's say the Oklahoma drill, and you realize like th- this shit is for me or it is not for me. Hey, like I, I enjoy this or I don't like that love of the game has yeah. to be real. It has to be pure. And I imagine you had that moment yourself. And what's fascinating to me is that I feel like the NFL, it's kind of forgetting what, what, what true football is, right? We don't need to go back to the seventies and head hunting and clothesline and all. I'm not saying that, but there is an element of, of real football owning your violence. It's inherent to the game. That's why we tune in. That's why we're drawn to these modern day gladiators like yourself. But kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit on maybe the NFL kind of detouring away from its its true self. But you yourself, did did you have that moment growing up? Like, okay, I, I love this. Moment. This is different, and I love I had it. That moment thousands of times. And you you may not be old enough to remember John Facenda. Oh yeah, he was a old. Breezy afternoon in Lambeau Field. You know, the, those, uh, those shows where he would be narrating, uh, or Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football. My dad was the high school football coach for 35 years. And I, I, I most of those guys, I, you know, uh, I wouldn't know or remember if I could cross paths with him, but if I did, all of his, his players in the seventies, they would probably say that guy, that kid was destined for pro football because he absolutely loved. I was at every practice. I was watching every game given that there wasn't cable TV. The only way we got to watch every game was to watch the highlights on Monday night football of the, the, the we only got the Saints. Occasionally we got the Dallas Cowboys on TV. Uh, and, and the, the Falcons saw that was the three closest teams. So if Saints were playing away, we'd get a, 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 a Dallas or a Atlanta game, but you didn't get to watch all the games. So Monday night football, dad and mom would let us stay up. Me and my older brother Scott, we'd get to stay up and watch the halftime show. Uh, so they went through the highlights and. Man, I can't tell you how many times I laid in my bed as a kid and thought about what it would be like to run out on the field as a Dallas Cowboy. That was my team, Roger Stallback, Danny White. What it would be like to run out onto the field and they call my name out. Uh, and so that, when that happened, it was, it wasn't like I, I never, I, like, I didn't remember those days. I, it was it was like I was living my childhood days in the moment, and so uh, 
every time I run ran out of the tunnel and they called my name out, even even in my last year, that was so cool. And I never lost. I mean, I, I may have been slower. I may have looked a little hobbly. Uh, I, I certainly had gray hair. I was 20 years older than the, the first year, but I I still got that that fuzzy feeling uh, sitting in the tunnel and they're like, and out of Southern Mississippi. I mean, it just, there's nothing like it. And so I, I embraced that my whole career. Now, again, as I got older physically, I, it took its toll mentally, the, the, the pressure to win week in and week out got the best of me too. I mean, I just, we all, at some point, we get burnt out. And, uh, but the passion, the love for the game never, never wavered. Effects today. Um, you know, your, your, your mind with these concussions, is it, it, it still seems pretty sharp, obviously, but the, the pain in the morning after all of these hits, how, how do you feel? I'm guessing you don't regret a thing. Um, but maybe there's some in you know, there that I we don't know. Do over again, first of all. It'd be easy to say I'd do it different, but I probably would, my, my makeup, I probably would do it all, all over again, except for one, in one way. When I got a concussion or thought of, uh, not all, I mean, the true concussions I had, I mean, a concussion's a concussion. Let me get, make that clear. But the thousands of times I saw stars or had a little ringing in my ears. Uh, I probably would have played, but the ones that the Giants, the, the Chicago one, uh, I think there's one more that I, I kind of was out. Uh, I definitely would go back in and play. Protocol, the protocol they got now in place is really good, but I think it can get better, but it's better than it was when I was playing. Uh, so uh, I, I feel okay. You know, I had my hip replaced in January. I had back surgery in May. In fact, uh, if, if you say, well, how are you doing? My back is better, but I'm still – what drove me to have a surgery was leg pain related to back issues, pressure on the nerve. Uh, and so, I, end of May, I had my surgery for 12 to 13 weeks. Felt great. Started going back to doing what I – working outside – biking some, uh, just doing whatever, hiking. The nerve pain came back and some numbness. I'm having some problem with some numbness on the, you know, uh, if you've ever had nerve pain, you know, some people may go, I don't know what that, if something cold hits a tooth, a nerve, you know it. You, mm-hmm. you know, you had, uh, you hit something. That's what my leg felt like. It's come back some, the, the leg pain, but the numbness is probably the worst right now. It comes and goes. We were at a breast cancer uh, fundraiser last Saturday. Deanna and I, she was a speaker, and we were walking in, and my leg gave out. I fell. You know, that's that's the first time that's happened. Uh, so, you know, that, that would be the – the worst of what I'm dealing with right now. Uh, and, and it's somewhat predictable, the pain, what contributes to it. Uh, but there's no clear cut 
path to here's what we do and it'll be great for the rest of there is that I mean this the uh the arthritis is gonna keep coming back and clutching up that nerve or nerves that come up from the leg. Um and I gotta figure it's a result of playing football all these years. What about the fulfillment and purpose that the sport's always given you? You know, when we were talking down in in Mississippi there, 2014, so you were four years removed from retiring. You were in such a great place, right? I mean, you're doing the the Ironman competitions. My God, when I shook your hand, your your bicep, it looked like you just got out of a workout, so you're physically fit, you know, kind of scratching that competitive itch in different ways. Um, but, you know, I've, I've talked to... Ryan Leaf, Jamal Lewis, Kevin Cobb, so many of these guys have just dealt with depression and their own like dark times in, in different ways. I mean, Jamal was really open on suicidal thoughts. Is depression something that you've needed to fight against? Because, man, when that cheering stops, when football's over, it can be hard to fill that void in, in your life. No, uh, for me, fortunately, and I, I'm aware of a lot of those guys, their stories and, and what they dealt with. Uh, at the end of their career and then then after. Uh, I, I remember seeing Antonio at an event, Freeman, uh, maybe three to five years after uh, I retired, but he had retired for longer. And I said, how you doing? We called him Free. I said, how you doing, Free? Uh, you, 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 I mean, he looked good. He looked like he did when he played. And he said, man, I was expecting, oh, I'm good, man. Living life, having fun. And he said, man, I'm, I'm doing better, but I, I had a rough spell. Um, and, and I don't remember the words he used, but I said, well, what's up? He said, I never thought I would miss structure. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes like, sometimes I sleep late. Sometimes I, I can't sleep and I get up. Either way. I got nothing to look forward to. I, I, there's, he said, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I miss having to be up at a certain time, having to be at meetings at a certain time, having a practice schedule that you had to go by, uh, a, a plan, a daily plan, a, for, a forecast, you know, like this is what we got this week. This is how we're going to do it this week. Uh, he said, I missed that. I'm just kind of, he said, I'm much better now, but for the longest, I just kind of wandered about and, uh, I, I, I really didn't think about it because that was totally the opposite of me. I had structure. Now I didn't, I was I didn't have a job, but I got up and I worked on my property. I kind of had a, a schedule. Um, yeah, I could deviate from it anytime I wanted. Uh, we ate it. Usually I ate at a certain time. I was physically, I wanted, I knew when I retired, I wanted to stay active. I did not want to, I mean, as you get old, stuff diminishes. I didn't want to contribute to that diminish, if that makes sense. I wanted to stay active. I wanted to keep my, 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 my head clear and, and f- physically keep myself in the best shape possible. Now I don't eat great. Uh, I go in spurts, but I wanted to, I, not without using this term, I wanted to create structure in, in my way. 
And uh, I did that. And having a, a wife and kids, uh, now they were much older, but going to games, uh, being a part of their and having now three grandsons, there's, there's, there's stuff to do, good stuff, uh, birthdays, uh, get togethers, uh, working on my property. All this stuff was, was pro, you know, structured, uh, things that I did. And I, I, I was totally oblivious to someone wandering about that I played with trying to figure out what it is they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be doing it in their life after football. I mean, so much is being said about you, your reputation. You seem to be doing good with these shows here. Um, through, through that, all, I know you're eager to share your, your side of things, but uh, how have you kind of maintained your spirits while your name is in the headlines and you're probably looking at it thinking, man, there's a lot I'd like to say right now. Yeah, I, I think uh, the most recent headlines is I'm supposed to be deposed in October. That's not true. It's December, and um, the judge issued a gag order, as I've said numerous times. But yeah, it's I, I look forward to the deposition or the day that I can tell my side of the story and it be on record. Because you're right. Uh, not being able to defend myself sucks. It really sucks. Um, but I, I've long waited for that day. So on top of the, the physical things that I've had to go through here recently, and, and I, I'm doing fine uh, overall. Mentally, it's been, I, I mean, I, I my skin has been toughened just over the years, but what they're saying and what they believe sucks because it's not true. Um, so I look forward to the day, whether it be a trial or whatever, let's get it on. I, I look forward to that day. Well, so- sounds good. And, and obviously we can go down that road whenever the time is right, but you know, just just back to football, the value of football, what it's done for you, for so many people too. Um, when you watch football today, is it is it different? Like, do you, do you think it's gone down a different road, different path? Uh, and everybody is, who played the game, I think everybody who played the game, and probably a good bit of people who have always been avid fans, watchers, remember the days that I'm talking about. Remember the days that I played in. And now the present days would say that it's different, but I think human nature side of it, I say it's different and it's not as good. I'm sure when I was playing, the the guys that played before me said, man, football's soft these days. It, It ain't like it used to be. I'm sure that that's a given with every generation, but and I think the, the rule modifications to protect players is a step in the right direction. Doesn't help me any. Doesn't help. It's, it's not at the expense of the game, though. You don't think these rules no, and the flags and the front? I think um, some things are very vague. Uh, that uh, pass interference. Uh, 
hitting the quarterback. I mean, I'm not saying a quarterback needs to be hit, but he needs to be a little more uh, – I don't know the, the exact word, but uh, disposable maybe. Uh, not not completely, but a little bit. The, the, and I think that they got what they asked for, the league. Uh, they want scoring. People don't want to see – I assume they don't want to see six to three like the Giants – and the Bears with Ray, uh, with, with, uh, Bill Parcells and Mike Dick are going against each other and defensively just grind it out. Uh, those, they don't want to see that. They want to see 48, 45. They want to see triple overtime. They want to see, you know, exciting scores, great throws and great catches. Uh, and, and so I do, I do think the, the core, what made football so lovable and traditional and prideful? We've lost some of that, maybe a lot of that. I agree. Probably my readers and listeners are tired of me, you know, beating this dead horse. But I think the more flags you throw, the more fines you levy, the more bureaucratic you make the rule book where players out there don't even know what the hell they can do when they arrive at the quarterback, right? To, for a sack <laughs> watching the bills Jaguars game in London. It's like, it blows my head. What's Jordan Boyer supposed to do on that play, right? It's a bang, bang play. He can't just vanish out of thin air. There's no way. He can, there's no way he can, he can pull off and he's probably going to get a big five. Which is unbelievable. Which is I mean, you're losing football. You're, you're everything we're talking about this being a attrition and it's not for everybody. And that's a good thing. Right, the fact that we kind of look at you as these modern-day gladiators, that's what we're drawn to. Absolutely. I think that's a key component to all this is not everybody can do it. Not everybody can be a a Navy SEAL. You know, there's a lot of people who want to be, want to be a badass, want to, you know, want want that tag with their name. You know, you know, I, I graduated from SEAL school. Or I'm right tackle for the Cleveland Browns. You know, there's a lot of people who want that, but only a few can do it. Uh, everyone's free to try, but only a few can do it. Only a few can be, and all, of those few that do it, only a handful do it great. And only a handful of those are, are less than a handful do it great for a long time. So it's a small, small fraternity to begin with. A big one to start with because a lot of people want. But it's condensed down as it gets tougher. And that's kind of what's made it what it is and why people love it so much. I'm okay with protecting players. But you're losing that foundation to me somewhat. Which they're printing money. I mean, the, the ratings are through the roof. Everybody's gambling. It's, which is hilarious to me. You know, the NFL frowned upon that, upon that for yeah, decades. Now, and now they're wrapping their loving arms around gambling, fantasy football. So, I mean, money usually drives decisions, but I, at what, at what point does, does it snap? Because it, it's turning into something other than football. I, I don't know what that would, would be. I, 
nobody wants to see players carted off, right? But, and motionless. But I think all players that step onto the field, they, they know there's this element of risk. Hell, I blew my mind talking to Isaiah McKenzie last year about the DeMar Hamlin game in Cincinnati. He's like, most guys wanted to play. I mean, which is crazy to me. That's the ex- extreme case, obviously. But there is a, an element of risk with sport that they're siphoning out, I think. Watching these games every you know, weekend, they're, they're siphoning out the that risk. Is, what the league is today, or actually what it's to be going to, is flag football with, with pads, if that makes sense. Uh, just... I to say it's like Cirque du Soleil in, in Vegas. Uh, big, big, big. It's way bigger than that. But because money, don't, don't think for a second it's not money that drives all these decisions. Um, that's why the, the league didn't want to touch the concussion. If, if you were to ask an executive about concussions, um, they would, they would say, no comment or we're working towards a solution. Uh, so money drives practically every decision in the league. Hell, for that matter, the world. Uh, one second, Tyler, the dog's got to go out. <laughs> Get the dog. So I I guess, Brett, the question then is, does anybody care? Right. Do do the millions upon millions of people watching the NFL week in and week out? Um, do, are they are they turned off to the point where the NFL has to change and kind of go back to maybe your era or an era where there was that that physicality? Because right now, I mean, they're they're Taylor Swift's at the games. Their social media accounts are putting her in the bio and they're welcoming in different fans who don't who don't give a damn. So I, I don't know if anything will ever change if it ever does go the other direction. Uh, you know, they say history repeats itself. I, I don't think that in this case that will happen. I think, uh, it's more about the glitz and glamour. And, you know, if you're an executive for, for the NFL or you're Roger Goodell, you gotta be loving. You gotta be loving Taylor Swift at, at a game, whether you're a fan or not. Most true football fans probably aren't Taylor Swift fans. Probably don't even know what she's saying. Uh, but, but if you're in the front office, you're loving it. Ratings are anyway are unbelievably high. And it's, and it's, you know, it's getting harder to watch games. What I mean by that, you got to pay for this. Or YouTube or DirecTV Sunday ticket. Uh, you know, it's always something. And, uh, we don't, we don't, I used to on DirecTV, I could go to 7, 701, 702, 703 on Sunday and flip flop between every game. If, if, if the local game that is being played isn't of interest. Uh, but now I don't know. I, I, we don't have the YouTube deal. Uh, maybe we're in the Stone Ages, but uh, but you know. The, oh, I mean that's a good. They could be strange for the core fan. You know they the leagues probably. I, I don't know what that meeting's like, but they probably say, "All right, 
Scoring is more fun. You, you know, no one wants to see six to three. You know, people want to see home runs. People want to see slam dunks. People want to see wild touchdown throws, unbelievable runs. They don't want to see their star player hurt and out of the game for, for any period of time. So we got to keep the, the guys that are the core stars. We got to keep them healthy and, and other people healthy too. Uh, so how do we do that? We, we, we promote on social media. We, you know, we make it a scoring, uh, league 45, 48, 45. Who cares if it's about defense? I don't think the league itself really cares that, uh, banging a little bit of practice is detrimental to long-term health because I, I firmly believe that they don't to a point, but by agreeing to 15 days in pads per year, in practice, uh, that's a happy medium for them. But what is it, what has it done? It's, it's created a scoring league along with rule changes. You know, you can't touch a receiver. You can't touch a quarterback. Uh, that's made defense. And now you can't practice tackling techniques. I mean, you only got 15 days in pass. You know, great if you're a player. Uh, but if you're a coach, you're scratching your head. We can't tackle for a shit. You know, that's what coaches want to say. You know, so the physicality is, is slowly but surely diminishing to a point where to me, like I said, it's a flag football with pads. That's what it's going towards. And the league doesn't care because as long as ratings are whatever, good news, bad news, whatever, is news for them, and that that's a good thing. I feel like there's going to be consequences. I don't know how it manifests itself over time because you're straying away from what the sport is. You're straying away from your core fan with all this. My point, Brett's always been just own the violence, like own the inherent nature of the sport that, like you said, it's not for everyone. When you step onto that field, you you could get hurt. And then like work around that reality instead of talking out of two sides of your mouth, instead of spamming us with the, the safety infomercials, you know, between drives. And then I, I don't know to, to add a game, to add a regular season game, to even, to even have the preseason games. There's, there's things they can do to, to make it safer while still owning what it is and not flagging everybody, not finding everybody. I mean, the Josh Allen on Josh Allen sack in London is another one. I, I don't know what he does on that play. It's uh, it's it's entering a strange territory. I mean, that's great if, if you're a Buffalo fan, you know. But it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna the tides are gonna flip if you're if you're a Buffalo fan. It's gonna be a time where you go, that's ridiculous. That's the worst call ever. You know, it, it, it it's gonna happen. And what it you're right. What is a player supposed to do? I see this is what I see in regards to to that rule and, and that change as far as hitting the quarterback. I've seen guys have a chance to make a big hit on the quarterback. He's still got the ball, but he's in a throwing motion. And they're afraid that even even if it was a legal hit, that they're going to get fined and flagged for it. Because Josh Allen, on Josh Allen, uh, 
what what is he supposed to do? So what what are players doing or going to start doing? He may be one of those. He's launching, which at that point, if the quarterback is in the throwing motion, that to me is you're perfectly fair game. Yeah. But you're going to see guys in that launching uh, part of the of the tackle pull off, yeah. and they're going to say in the film room the next day, "Man, I had it. I could have. I could have." Smoked him, and and that's part of the game. But we're going to lose that because guys, and I see it. Some a guy pulls off when he had a chance to really make a big hit, just because they're they're getting flagged for a phantom hit. Yeah. Matthias Kiwanuka, you know, way way back on Vince Young, I remember late in a Giants Titans game, like had him wrapped up and like let go. That was kind of the first one, and you, you see iterations of that really every every weekend. Yeah. Absolutely. Again, let's go back to the league. They go, so people are watching. Social media is is just buzzing for a lot of reasons. We got TV contracts going. We, we got money falling out of the pot. So do you care? No. And, and, and they'll be outraged for a day. Right, they'll they'll put up with uh, everybody losing their damn minds for twenty four hours, and then everybody moves on to the next shiny object because there's football the next day, probably, or something to talk about the next day. Yeah, you know, the, I say the days of the Giants, Bears, and you could say it for a lot of teams where they grind it out. Granted, those are not all that fun, but there's a, a big part of that that's part of the game. Can, can someone score on the 86 Bears? You know, the, the defense, the, t- the toughness. And Miami proved that they could do it that year. The only team that, that actually had success against the Bears. I don't know if we're going to see that. I mean, San Francisco's got a really good defense, but we're talking about a, a, a different, totally different generation. And, and I think that to your point, this, the core people, the 50 and older, maybe 40, 45 and older, they remember a different game. But as long as they got a huge beehive of younger generation people who don't care, then it's a win. You know, it's about being cool with the present generation. Nobody wants to bet the under. They want to bet the over. And that's that's a not a short bet, but a good bet. Yeah, it's but it just speaks to your streak to kind of bring a full circle to go 321 when quarterbacks are bubble wrapped today, and that that that, that streak will never be broken. I mean, you well, you, see, you survived I, that era. See, I look at it different. I think if any time if there was ever a time that it would be broken, it would be from here into the future. The guy physically at 20 years is like. Like Tom Brady. Now, had Tom Brady not missed, played in this era, he played some in this era. He, he might have done it. All it's going to take is for, because the, the physicality part of it is in your favor because it's going to be a lot less of that. You don't know. And you create like. a new normal, right? Then, then there's less and less people like us bitching there's, about these calls. game season. So, uh, you got to still play a long time. And the freak injury part of it is always there. 
whether it be on the field or off the field. Uh, but to me, if it's ever going to be broken, it would be from here on because I got to assume the league will continue to make it less physical, uh, which is good for the player. Money goes up, hitting goes down. You're a player. Hey, I would love to smoke that guy, but I'm getting paid really well to not <laughs> smoke that guy. I mean, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Money's gone up, hitting's gone down. Yeah. Great point. Last one for me. And then we got some VIPs here. They're, they're going to have some excellent questions, I'm sure. But on this point, Brett, like, is it a reflection of society to any extent? Like, I'm going to sound like an old, middle-aged, bald guy here now, but I feel like we are kind of getting softer, like in society. And maybe football is just a microcosm of that, right? It's like, I, I don't view all masculinity as toxic. I think there's a place for it in the world. It's it's important to an extent. That's why that Gillette commercial just kind of drove me nuts. These kids just horsing around in a yard and the dads are kind of like, oh, you, you can't you can't do that. I, I don't know. It might, maybe I'm taking it to an extreme, but part of me wonders if football is merely a reflection of the world in 2023, just getting a little softer. Yeah, I don't know if that was the, the plan, but that, that certainly... Uh, seems to be the trend. Um, and again, if you're a player, and unless you're a player that wants physical contact, and, and, and some of those players continue to get fined and suspended, uh, but some people want to hit. But I think most people would say, I cannot hit and get paid that. Yeah, sure. I can, I can do that. And then it becomes easier and easier for the league to do that from an individual perspective, but also from a decision. You know, again, the older generation, as they die off and, and get less interested in, for every one they lose, they gain 50 new yeah. subscribers or social media. You know, 50 and older people trying to do social media or trying to do anything technologically advanced is a, uh, you know, is always an adventure, but the younger generation is, is, you know, just thriving the, the league today, you know, from a social media perspective, from a, from an attention and any, any, again, any news except for Patrick Mahomes out for the season. That's bad news. Josh Allen out for the season. Bad news. Uh, Brock Purdy playing is good news. You know, they, they want to see that. They, but they, but they don't want to see Patrick Mahomes go down and Josh Allen. It's, it's a real feel good story for Brock Purdy and the league loves it. But I think bigger is Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, the Dolphins racking up 70 points. Great. We're, that's a win. As long as you're in pads, as long as there's blocking and tackling, though, it's like you know, Adam Carolla loves to say society's moving to safe spaces and octagons, nothing in between. The NFL is trying to kind of like live in both worlds, which I don't know how this is going to end. You're, you're trying to kind of appease both people as long as it's under the guise of uh, tackle football. 
Yeah, I think the, the trend will be, to me, they will continue, the league will continue to hit less and less and, and, and penalize guys for, look, the days of the, the, you remember the NFL blooper show? Yeah. You know, the fumble follies and, uh, but they also show the vicious hits. Those days are long gone. Uh, the trend will be keep pads on. How do we keep pads on and, and give the illusion of very physical? Now the guys will get bigger and stronger, faster. You know, I mean, everyone says, well, it's got to stop some, sometime. It hasn't stopped yet. Guys continue to get bigger, stronger, faster. So how do we, how do we manage that? And this is the league speaking. How do we manage that and get the illusion of we're a physical, physical sport? Yeah. But there's a difference between UFC, which is, you know, hugely popular for a reason. Tall flower ears, great hits, unbelievable kicks, just unbelievable physicality. Uh, and uh, the league is a little bit opposite of that, even though it's the older generation remembers those vicious hits, uh, those tough physical games where they grinded it out. Look, I like to see scoring too. I like to throw magnificent touchdown passes, but I also like the, the, the toughness part of it too. I think that's the foundation of it. Eloquently put, Brett. Gosh, I, I know we've got a handful of people in here. Brett's been awesome hanging out this long. So the thanks again. Uh, just, just fire away if you got a question for, uh, the gunslinger here. Hi, Brett. Um, I like just a little, um, story. I'll, be, I'll make it really quick. Um, then I have one question. Um, back when you got, uh, the Hall of Fame in July, um, two years before that, my daughter uh, picked the wedding to have the wedding that day. And the story is about six months before we were um, going to book the rooms, we started calling hotels around Green Bay. And we live in the De Pere area, and we called the first hotel, and it was double the price and almost booked out. So then we called another one, and it was the same thing, and another one. So my wife goes, geez, is there a Packer game? I go, no, it's August is when the preseason starts. Is it the EA? No, that's after, week after. So we call back to Pier Hotel and ask, hey, what's going on? Everything's double in town and everything's pretty booked up. And she puts us on. She goes, I don't know. I'll put you on hold. She comes back. It's Red Fire's um, production. So it worked out good. We found a hotel. They gave us normal price. We were able to book rooms for our take guests. And most of them came from Minneapolis, so they're fired up. Um, that you were, they were coming from Minneapolis to a retirement party. Um, so anyway, just a little let you know that, uh, six months later, it worked out for you. Yeah, it worked out, but it, it's a funny story. We, we, as a family, we still chuckle about it. So, like, how did my daughter pick two years before that we year going to the Hall of Fame? <laughs> so, anyway, my only question was, um, with the referees, you had a relationship with referees where, he had good ones, bad ones during timeouts. Could you joke with them? Um, did you have a freeze where you know, oh, it's gonna be one of those days where I gotta be careful? Um, yes and no. You know, yeah. 
I had, a, a, as you would expect, 20 years I had uh, a relationship with not only my teammates, I saw teammates come and go. Some stayed a lot longer. Uh, I had a relationship with them, staying with the coaches. I went through a lot of coaches' staffs, a lot of turnover. Uh, the same would be said for the refs. I, I didn't know every one of them's name, but everyone remembers uh, Jerry Seaman, uh, Ed Hockley, uh, Dick Hantak. Uh, you know, you, you form relationships if you play that long. You have relationships with them. And some guys you knew not that would purposely call one for you a flag or throw a flag. You know, I think they were all very even killed, but some guys were prone to throw holding calls or uh, the, the judgment calls are always – Iffy, you know, like pass interference. That's, that's a, you could call holding every time. You could call pass interference every time. You could make a case for it somewhere. Um, there were some of those refs that leaned more to the judgment calls throwing the flag. Now others would let you play more. Um, so, um, that would be more the, the relationship like, well, we can throw deep balls today. Because we got a chance of pass interference. You know, there was always that. And I, I, I always thought, use the analogy, you can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. So uh, being, being fun and, uh, uh, interacting with those refs to me never hurt. Call them something bad. And some awful word, cursing them out, even if they deserved it, probably didn't work to your advantage. So I was always thinking, how can I sweet talk these guys and, and get a favorable call? Because that's part of the game to me. With a little, maybe a little tap on the ass, right? <laughs> uh, hey, Brett, Eric Reed, say you had a great career, obviously. Hey, just wondering, you had a ton of great receivers that you threw to. Wondering if you had a favorite, all-time favorite. You know, people ask me that all the time. Great question, Eric. Um, the three, I, I always tell people this story because I think it's pretty cool. It says a lot for South Carolina. The three most productive receivers, in a, just from a season perspective, that I've ever played with were all from the same college. Sterling, Robert Brooks. Sidney Rice in Minnesota. All had the most productive one year. Now Sterling had several years with me. Sidney Rice had one year, unbelievable year. Robert Brooks had numerous years. But the three most productive guys in the season related to me were all from South Carolina. But I, I loved all three of those. Antonio Freeman, Donald Driver. You know, it's hard to pick, but I had a lot of fun with all of them and a lot of production. Very good. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Good stuff. Well, I, I do have to ask Andy Reid. He, uh, I think he passed Tom Landry in all-time wins. Is there? Do you have any classic Andy Reid stories from your your time with My him? Favorite Brett? Andy Reid story. It's funny, and I may have I may have told it on here. Before. 
before. But my, my favorite Andy Reid story, Andy was a great, great, great guy and a great, great, great coach and still is. He's, me and Andy still talk when, when he can. Uh, he'll, usually he'll reach out. Hey, you son of a buck. He doesn't curse. His, his favorite curse word is son of a buck. Like son of a buck, you, you, you missed that call. Uh, but my favorite Andy Reid story and speaking of the Green Bay induction, Andy was at both, but the Green Bay one, we were in the same hotel before the induction. And so I'm working on my speech, last minute stuff. And I wanted to, I wanted to not, I wanted to give thanks to a lot of people. But I wanted to tell a few stories about certain phases of my career. So one of them was Andy Reid, what he meant to me, especially after losing Mooch, who was like family. So was Andy. But uh, the transition from Mooch to Andy, I thought was going to be very difficult. But it was smooth. I loved Andy. It was awesome. But we were playing in a preseason game. In, in Lambeau and the chain gang guys were like a lot of the, the Packer, uh, staff, like maintenance, chain gang, the training room, equipment room. When I got there, all those guys have been there 40 years. The chain gang was no, no exception. Same guys every week. Uh, there was one that was a heavy set guy and this was back in the cord era, meaning the headphones. Everybody had cords and it was a mess on the sideline. So Andy's walking down to the left and he's got his guy holding the cord behind him and he's always got slack. Well, the slack kind of got tighter and it yanked Andy's head. And he looked back and one of the chain gang guys was standing on him on the cord unknowingly. So Andy yanks on it. The guy holding the cord for him yanks. The guy looks at Andy. Like, oh, Andy said, hey, get off the cord, you fat ass. And the guy looked at Andy and said, who are you calling a fat ass? And I was like, that, so before the Lambeau induction, I, I, I called Andy in the hotel. I said, Andy, I want to tell that story. Are you okay with it? And he said, you better tell it. I love it. And so I told that story. <laughs> That's great. Fat ass, you fat ass. (laughs) And he never swears. That set him off. Never swears. That's great. Brett, cannot thank you enough for hanging this long on a Monday morning, man. I know you've got puppies to take care of, irrigation systems to to tend to, everything. So, man, really appreciate all this. My pleasure. It was fun. Steve, Eric, thank you for the question. Yeah, thanks so much for hanging out too, guys.